So we are in week two of this series. Uh, if you weren't here in week one, basically what I do for lesson time is I, I, I preach, I teach a lesson, and, and I like to do series. And so Genesis is about beginnings. It's a very cool cover, which actually is on the cover of my book, but it's not about my book and it's not about the book of the Bible, but it's about beginnings. And so last week we talked about the beginnings of our faith when Jesus was born and how he came to a manger, how he came to poor people, how the shepherds who were outcasts, who were looked down upon, who nobody cared about, who nobody thought of, they were the first to see him because Jesus has a plan for each of us and it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter uh, who you are, it doesn't matter where you've come from, nothing matters other than the fact that he sees you and he loves you and so Everybody had a chance to see Jesus, to be with him, and that's where that all began. Now from there, this week, we're going to talk about the beginnings of a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm going to talk about his crucifixion and his resurrection. So I'm going to start with Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 46. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too. By offering him a drink of sour wine, they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. So I want you to picture this for a second, because all of us have heard this story before. Uh, even if you haven't grown up in church, you know this story. Maybe you've seen the movie, uh, you've, you've read about it, you've heard people tell about it. Everybody knows the story of the crucifixion. You know that Jesus died for our sins. He died for us. He died for each of us, for everyone. Now, I could talk a lot about the fact that he was beaten almost to death, the fact that, that he was hanging from a cross from nails, and the pain, the terrible physical pain that he was feeling. But what I want to talk about is, while that was happening, while he was being beaten by the people he was there to save, he was also being made fun of. Like people were saying, why don't you save yourself? This guy, he thinks he's a king and he can't do anything. They're mocking him. I don't know if you've ever done anything for someone, but maybe you're, you're like, I'm going to do something really nice for this person. I want to, to really help them out. I want to give them a hello or give them something nice or just make their day special. And then they kind of like, whatever, I don't like you. Whatever, you suck. Whatever it is. And they make you feel bad about yourself. Now imagine that you're giving your very life for everyone. And so while he is doing that, people are shouting insults at him. Things that, that are way worse even than what was printed there. Uh, they're, they're making fun of him. They're talking bad about him. They're saying he's not real. He's not the Messiah. Uh, it's not enough to just beat him and kill him. They're tearing him, tearing him down little by little, word by word. Just throwing sticks and stones and everything. And while that is happening, imagine all of that happen to, happening to you. You walk into school, you walk into church, wherever, and people just constantly make fun of you and rip on you and, and hate you and say awful things about you. And while all that is happening, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The, the grace that we talk about with Jesus is so amazing, but in this moment where everyone around him is showing him hatred and scorn and hurting him physically and emotionally in every other way, he says, Father, forgive them. Imagine that. You're having your worst day, and all of the people at school are being super jerks to you, and they're making fun of you and whatever else, and you have this feeling of, I hope they find forgiveness. That's hard. That's really, really hard to do. I, I know that me, when I even have people that, that 
I get made fun of all the time because that's how it works. But so when I'm getting made fun of, it's very hard for me to, to then say, oh, that person, they, they're just having a bad day. Now we know that, and all of us have been on both sides of that. But for Jesus to show that, was not only an amazing work of grace, but it was the beginning of our relationship with him because he was offering forgiveness even when people didn't want it because that is why he died. He died for everyone. He didn't die for for just Christians who would one day say yes. He died for us while we were still sinners. He died for us before we said yes. He died for us when we still made fun of him. He died for every single person. And while he was doing that, he said, forgive them. That is so amazing. And that is who Jesus is to me. That's who Jesus is to all of us. And that is why it is so important to have an actual relationship with him. Because it means by him saying that when people are being the worst, that no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, no matter where you have been, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've said, no matter how many times you've argued with your parents, and we know they're the ones always wrong, but that's okay. No matter how many times you've argued with them, he still loves you. He still loves you completely, and he still died for you. He still wants you to come to him. That's so amazing. That's so cool. That is Christianity. And so I want to continue with this. Um, verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other, other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I've heard people talk about this before and kind of question, well, that guy didn't become a Christian. He just said, stop making fun of Jesus and then asked him to go into heaven. Why is he allowed to go into heaven? He asked that without any reason. He asked that simply because he saw who Jesus was. He saw the worth of him. And so in his statement, he showed repentance. He said, guy, to the other criminal, guy, we deserve this. We have done things wrong to do this. This man, he's done nothing, and he's being shown hatred. This man is dying. Show him respect. Show him love. And then he turned to him, which he didn't have to do, because that would have been enough for most people. He turned to him, and he said, Jesus, bring me with you to paradise. Now, that is showing belief. He is showing a, a, a understanding that he has done something wrong. He is showing a belief in who Jesus is, and he is asking for help. That's repentance. That's how you get a relationship. In a nutshell, that is how you become a Christian. You look to Jesus and you say, hey, I've messed up. I've done wrong things. I've done bad things. I see you, though. And while I've messed up, you've still loved me. I want to be with you. Will you please take me to paradise? Now, for the criminal, he went a lot sooner than any of us will go, but that's all you have to do. You just look to Jesus and say, I've been a sinner. Please forgive me. That's it. It's so simple. It takes a change of the heart. It takes true dedication. It takes true, a true desire to want to change. But this criminal showed all of that in just a few simple words. Um, I think the longer we're in church, sometimes we kind of turn things into harder. Not, less, not more important because everything is important. All of this is important. But sometimes we, we turn prayer because we hear so many people have so many wonderful prayers. We turn that into kind of like this thing that's unattainable for us just regular folk. It's like, well, that person, the pastor, he can pray and it sounds so amazing. And it sounds like it's from the Bible and it's, it's just, I can't even think like that. So how could I ever pray publicly? And, and we turn becoming a Christian into, well, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. 
I, I, I don't do the right thing yet. Like, how can I do this? Well, if you wait until you're ready, you're never going to be ready. And so you look at your life and you say, man, when Jesus was on a cross, everybody hated him and everybody made fun of him, but he still gave them forgiveness. He offered them forgiveness. And then these two criminals, one of them said, hey, I want to be with you. And he was with him. And you say, that sounds like what I want. That sounds like a relationship that's worth it. That sounds like love. And then your prayer doesn't have to be this long biblical thing. It just has to be, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me and help me to do better. Please come into my heart. And that's where it starts. Now, from there, you learn more. You learn more about your faith. You learn more about what you believe. You talk to other Christians. You talk to other people. You tell them your story. You hear their story. You read the Bible. You learn more about it. But it all starts with this desire for a relationship. It all starts with seeing him, seeing the grace that he has given. And this criminal saw it in that moment. And it's so cool to see the, the true grace of Jesus to look at him. Again, while he's bleeding out, while he is dying physically and while he is hearing such hatred such awful things he looks at him and it was probably a real pain to kind of look over like that while he's hanging there and he's like yes I accept everything that you just said and you're going to be with me because that's who Jesus is because he loves him he loves all of us uh by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. If you read through the Gospels, you will see a slightly different accounts, uh, a slightly different words used at the end of Jesus' life. Um, that is, each of those is true, each of those is right. But it's kind of like if you go to a movie with three of your friends. And so when you're done, different things stood out to each of you. So some of you are like, man. Thor was so cool. He was actually the hero of this. And some of you are like, no, no, no. Iron Man was the best. And I'm not going to give spoilers for anything. Don't worry. And, and some of you are like, no, Spider-Man is the greatest thing ever. And those people are right. But it's like you have all of these different things that stand out to you. You can go through a day of school. And that's probably a bad example. But some things probably stand out to you at different points. You can have a conversation with somebody. And each of you can kind of remember it differently. Not that either of you are wrong, but different things stand out to you. Different things catch your ear. Some things affect you. Some things that they said really hit you hard. And some things you say hit them hard. And so you each remember those. And so the Gospels, each of the, the writers, a couple of them were disciples, they each felt different things in the accounts, in the, the witnessing. And in this... Uh, Matthew talks about the tearing of the curtain. And I love that because that shows what a relationship with Jesus is. Because before that point, a, a relationship with God was essentially just going to a priest and saying uh, what your sins were, a rabbi, and saying what your sins were, and then he would tie a rope around himself and go behind a big curtain to talk to God. And the reason for the rope was if he wasn't holy enough, then he was going to die and you know, you'd have to pull him out. Just like church today, right? And so, just joking. And so, it's in that case, you, you understand the thing there. You have to go to somebody else. Imagine if every time you wanted to talk to your best friend, you had to go to your mom and say, Mom, I want you to tell my best friend this. And I want you to tell him that. Most of you would just never talk to your best friend at that point. But it's like, it feels so weird because there are personal things you want to say. There are things that you want to hear about. There are things that you don't think of until you're actually talking to them. And, and so... To go through another person, it's like, well, something's lost in the translation, right? Something's lost in the relationship, in the feeling. And so that curtain signified this end to that. 
Because from then on, you didn't have to go to a rabbi. Now, you could, still could ask for advice. You could still talk to somebody. That's good. But you didn't have to go to someone else. You just went straight to him. And instead of going, hey, rabbi, this is what I've sinned. I think I got everything. I'm not sure. Uh, this is my sacrifice. You go to Jesus and you say, man. I really need help in this area. Or this is what my day was like. This is what my life was like. You don't have to, again, make like a, a full scripture. You just talk to him. And you just say, Jesus, this is who I am. What do I do? And you just talk to him. And that curtain ripping shows that we can go straight to him. And it's such an amazing part of this story that sometimes we don't even talk about. But that is the relationship. The relationship with Jesus means that your relationship is with him. You don't have to have a relationship with Pastor Tim or with Tim, sorry, in order to in order to have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to have a relationship with me in order to have a relationship with Jesus. Now you should because uh, we love you and we're here. You don't have to have a relationship with any of the adults, with any of the other teens. Now again, those things are good, but your relationship with Jesus is your relationship with Jesus. And so you can talk to him personally and he listens to you personally and he loves you personally. And all of that is so cool. Last part of the last scripture I want to read is from the resurrection. John 20, 19 through 23. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. That last part can be kind of tricky because you can read that like, wait, so the disciples decide what is a sin? The disciples decide who is forgiven? He's saying, you guys know this. I've been training you for three years. I've given you the relationship with me. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. I've told you everything. Now go be the church. And people are going to come to you and you must give them forgiveness because if you don't, they're not going to understand what that means. They're not going to understand that they can have it. And so they became the church. And the first things he said to them when he came back was peace be with you because Christianity is about finding peace, finding peace for yourself, finding peace for others, seeking peace. Not seeking to fight, not seeking to argue, not seeking to hurt, not seeking to shame, not seeking to make yourself look better, not seeking to, to make someone else work, look worse, but peace with Jesus. And so they were able to talk to him and he said, guys, I'm always going to be with you. I'm going to go on and prepare a place. You're going to have the Holy Spirit to connect you and you're always going to have God. We're always going to be here, but you are now the church. And then the disciples, they would go to their congregation and they'd say, we were with Jesus every day. And, and we're able to tell you, this is what it means. This is how you have a relationship with him. You don't have to go to us first. You just go to him. You can talk to him. And he will tell you how to live your life. He will help you to be better. And then their congregation would become pastors somewhere else. And they would go to their church and on and on and on until we get to today where we are now the church. It's not the adults are the church and then someday you guys will be. You guys are the church. It's not, you know, in the future, you guys will be the church. You guys are the church. Because in the world, so many people don't understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And I don't just mean non-Christians. I mean there are a lot of, of churches in a lot of places that don't really understand this. And so for us, we don't go around with a Bible to hit them in the head. We don't go around with a baseball bat to poke them in the ribs. I don't know why I didn't flip those. But we go to them with love. We go to them with truth. We go to them with peace. And we show them 
the grace that Jesus showed the criminal, we show them the forgiveness that Jesus showed the crowd. And no matter what happens to us, we remember that he died for us. And we remember that for us, he gave us the church. And for us, he gave us a relationship. And we take that relationship and we strengthen it. And we go to church, do whatever you need to do. Pray, read the Bible. All of these things are good. Now, with the Bible, I don't want to get super into this, but with the Bible, a, a lot of people, when they become Christians, are like, okay, I have to read the Bible now. So you turn to Genesis, and you're like, okay, I'm going to read it just like Harry Potter and go straight through. And, and I don't know why I chose that. But anyway, so you're reading it straight through. Like Genesis, I suppose I should have said. And you read it straight through. And, and like about Leviticus, you're like, whoa, what do I do here? Because this is talking about I shouldn't touch dead people. I don't even know what this means. Like, bacon, what are you talking about? And so... That's not to say that those parts of the Bible aren't important, but you do not have to read it straight through like a book. You find something. I like to encourage people to start with Proverbs or, or uh, the Gospels, because in the Gospels, it's basically the story of Jesus, and we can all understand that. And then you go to Proverbs, and Proverbs is essentially, this is really simplifying it, Proverbs is essentially like biblical fortune cookies. Now, it's stronger and deeper than that, but it's basically like, hey, treat other people better. Hey, seek wisdom. Hey, don't be dumb. It's like all of these really cool things and it's easy to read. And then maybe you go back to Genesis and you read because that's all stories too. And then as you grow in your faith, as you grow in your relationship, then you can handle more. And you ha maybe have people help you with stuff. You go to classes, you learn about it. I'll talk about some of this stuff. But the important thing is, even if you don't read like a chapter a day, that you just open your Bible and you look at it. You read like a couple verses, that's fine because you're in it. That's filling yourself with it. That's looking at it. That's putting your heart there and growing. And with prayer, again, you don't have to, to have a Shakespearean sonnet. You don't have to sound like David from Psalms. You don't have to sound like Riley. You don't have to sound like anybody. You just have to talk to him, just like you would your best friend, and you say, Jesus, this is what my day was like. This is what I want tomorrow to be like. Can you help me? And you just talk to him. And it's your relationship and you build it. And that is what it means to be a Christian. That is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. Uh, don't make it so hard that you're so scared of it. Just look to Jesus and say, hey, I want to be more like you. And become more like him. Treat other people like you want to be treated. That's a huge thing. And that's part of Christianity. If you were here today, I talked about love God, love others. That's the core of all of this. You love God and you love others. It's very simple to say like that. And that is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And in this series, we are going to talk about, uh, as I said, the beginnings of our faith, which we talked about. This week we talked about the relationship with Jesus and what that actually means. And next week we're going to talk about how to live your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you how you can have a life in which you're, you're, you're looking at it, not where you're happy all the time because you're never going to be. Some people will be. Some people are crazy. There's actually a Russian saying, I'm going to go off kilter for a little bit. There's a Russian saying, if somebody smiles all the time, they're either insane or American. And the reason for that saying is because here, it's not an insult, you think it is. The reason for that saying is we put such a, a, a load on smiling, and it's like, well, if that person's not smiling, they're happy. If that person doesn't look happy, then they're not happy. That's not how it works. Sometimes you just have faces that aren't happy all the time. Sometimes you're not happy, but to have joy in Jesus is something different. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about moving forward. But most of all, I want to tell you this. Each week, probably each week that I'm here, you are worth it. I'd say this stuff because you are worth it, because God loves you, because I love you, because you are here for a reason. There is a plan for your life. So 
I won't ever tell you what to do except in games and stuff. But I will tell you how you can do better, how you can change, how you can find answers, whatever it is. And maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. But the whole point is you do your best. You do your best, you talk to him, you do your best, you treat other people well, and you do your best and you live your life treating other people like you want to be treated. And good timing, that's all I got.